Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another Corp. Welcome to another Core Conversation with Kaylee. Today we are talking about help with transitions. Transitions are notoriously difficult for young children and therefore many parents struggle with transitions. And when we really stop to think about it, transitions are difficult because of our child's development. It makes sense that these are challenging for them because transitions actually take a lot of brain power to do. I mean, think about how much multitasking we do when we're trying to get out the door, how much planning, how much prioritizing, how quickly do we fall into a state of overwhelm when we're just trying to load up the car to go to school or go to work or go to activities. This is true with our children and their brain is still developing and immature. And think about all the executive functions that are at play during a transition. Executive functions such as task completion, so knowing when to stop a task and how to stop a task, task initiation, so getting started, prioritizing, oh, okay, maybe brushing my teeth is more important than finishing this Lego building just because of my teeth help. So that's planning ahead and and prioritizing perspective taking. Oh, maybe mom doesn't want to take away all my fun. Maybe she's just worried about my hygiene and health. Okay. So those are all examples of executive function. And then there's a big discrepancy between what's important from an adult's perspective and what's important from a child's perspective. And here's the takeaway. If you get nothing else from today, this message that it's our job to bridge where our children are and where we really need them to be when we really do need them to be somewhere. And it's our job to set the tone for collaboration, not to steamroll our children, not to, because I said so, and make unilateral decisions. Because when we approach a situation where, hey, we have a difference of opinion here, we have a different perspective, or what you want is kind of in direct conflict of what I want. How do we decide what's more important? This is where our children learn how to approach conflict. What does a conflict feel like? How do we treat it? And if we approach conflict with openness and confidence, that's going to translate later on in life for our children. So those are like the overarching takeaways from today that I just wanted to outline 
And really my goal for you today is to take away three really practical things to do during the transitions to make them more manageable and honestly, a time of connection between you and your children. With that, I just want to also acknowledge this component of self-compassion that is so important when we're talking about any parenting strategy. And that is, look, sometimes we're going to be on survival mode. Sometimes our emotional bandwidth is going to be not as wide as it is other days. Some days are just going to be harder. And so along with that comes the question of, Number one, getting really clear on your expectations for not just your children, but for yourself. And it's okay to let some expectations go if you're running on survival mode. That's okay. And the other piece of the self-compassion too is you don't have to beat yourself up if you're not this fun, playful, or maybe perfectly scripted, perfectly groomed parent. No, what's most important is that our children have an authentic parent showing up for them. Okay, so I just want to preface the next three points with those thoughts. So let's dive in with these three ways to become a more patient parent (laughs) during transition. And along with my message of self-compassion, is number one. We're going to talk about it a little bit. And number one is pause, slow down, and get clear. So when I talked about self-compassion, I talked about, you know, first checking in with yourself. So that's what number one is really all about. Pause, slow down, and get clear. So before you initiate a transition with your child, start with yourself. Take a moment and take care of yourself. Do you need a drink of water? Do you need food? Do you need a bathroom break? Do you need to get yourself ready first? Load everything up by the car or by the door in the car or put it all in your bag. Line the bags up if you're like me, multiple bags up by the door. Check in with yourself emotionally and energetically. How much energy do you have right now? How much is walking your child through all of the steps or children? through all of the multiple steps of getting ready and how much of it is it is is it just easier to throw the shoes in the car maybe bring the toothbrush right where they are and just brush teeth right there or bring the clothes to them check in with yourself and figure out how much energy do i have to really expend in this moment how enthusiastic can you be about this transition is the enthusiasm authentic or are you forcing it a little bit And I never want to encourage you to force anything because if you're forcing it, it's not authentic. So it's okay to meet yourself where you are and share that with your child, still in a confident leadership way, but you won't know until you pause and check in with yourself and build some awareness around that. The get clear piece is about what's the priority in this moment? Is it, you know, we've got to get out the door on time. I can't be late again. Then, you know, maybe we don't prioritize our child putting their shoes on all by themselves. Like we can't have it both ways. I can't have you spend 20 minutes trying to get your foot in the shoe and get out the door on time. That's okay. So if we prioritize, then we can clearly work around that and facilitate that for everyone. Is there any prep work you need to do before turning to your child? 
And let me explain that. So this pause and intention can drastically decrease your reactivity because when you're taking care of your own needs first, it will also help you prioritize and plan ahead so that you're not trying to multitask, which splits your attention and your energy. So that's why we can't be, you know, like packing up our bag while we're trying to get our kid dressed. They're not going to take us seriously. You know, if you have multiple children, I found it, it works out better if I just address one child at a time. So let me explain this. I once listened to a podcast with Dr. Amishi Jha, who wrote or who authored the book, Peak Mind, Find Your Focus, Own Your Attention, Invest 12 Minutes a Day. And she said, there's no such thing as multitasking. And she studies attention for a living. So this really piqued my interest. She said multitasking is actually task switching and task switching is exhausting and overwhelming. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, it is because it takes so much brain power to start a task, stop a task and not even just stop it, pause it, start another task, pause it, go back to the other task and back and forth and back and forth. And what that actually does is it increases our reactivity. Remember in the very beginning, like we're overwhelmed and exhausted and trying to juggle all these things. So our reactivity increases and sends mixed messages to our children. So often when that energy and attention is split, While we try and multitask and get as much done as possible, our children sense that. So they don't take us seriously because they can tell we're not. She didn't really mean that. She's paying attention to that over there. Which is why yelling is usually the last step. Because then yelling, by the time we get to the point where we raise our voice and we yell, then we're serious. And our children get slammed with that strong energy. They're like, whoa, (laughs) there it is roaring out of her and words. And usually at that point, we're taking some sort of action towards them, right? Walking towards them or getting the, the shoes or picking up the bag. And so now at that point, our energy, words, and actions are all in alignment, which is what confident leaders need to convey to the people that they're trying to lead. My energy, my words, and my actions are all in alignment. And in order to be the confident leader, take a few minutes before initiating the transition and make a plan for yourself. So you do the little check-in, you figure out where am I at, what's the priority, you put a quick little plan together. Because remember, Time management is not the responsibility of the child. Time management is an adult responsibility. And if we catch ourselves blaming our children for making us late, that's us displacing our uncomfortable feelings by offloading the responsibility. It's your fault we're running late. Now, hear me out. Like, (laughs) there's always those times where it's unavoidable. You know, a child falls asleep and now it's like, or or sleeps late. Like maybe their nap goes over when you thought it'd be over or they need to poop or a huge accidental mess happens or an injury, right? They always have to poop or like hurt themselves when you're trying to walk out the door, it feels like. So we've all been there. 
But I would suggest that most of the time, these are the exceptions, not the rule. So I'm talking about a majority of the time. We can plan this buffer time. We need, it's our job to build in buffer time. Just remember, it's going to take an extra 10 minutes than what you think it's going to take. I actually remember learning this when I had my first son and he was an infant. I was shocked by how long it took me just to like get out, like get in the car and get him in the car seat and then put, you know, the infant car seat and then put the car seat in the car and like load up the diaper bag and make sure I had everything and for me and for him. And I was shocked that it took that long. And it took me months to figure out, like I was late going everywhere. I'm like, okay, I really need to start moving towards the car 15 minutes earlier than I actually think I do. And sometimes, you know, here I am almost eight years later, sometimes I catch myself like still forgetting that because there's such a big difference between me but going somewhere by myself and just hopping in the car and me getting the kids ready to walk out the door. (laughs) So build in that buffer time, just assume it's going to take 10, 15 minutes longer and then you're decreasing that rush. You're giving yourself that time and space to plan and not multitask so much or task switch, right? Really be present and focus one thing at a time. And your children will sense that alignment in your actions, words, and energy. They'll sense that openness and willing to help. The sense of they will sense less urgency. So their threat detection system won't be as activated. And they're more likely to be cooperative and open to your input. If you've tried the Instagram parenting tips and tricks to gain connection and cooperation with your child and it's still not working, or maybe you just want to grow your parenting toolbox or grow your own personal skill set, if you feel confused about how to respond to some of your child's bigger behavior, or maybe you need the encouragement and accountability to make the changes you know you and your family need, Core offers the weekly support and tools to make these powerful shifts within a supportive, uplifting community. We talk about real life parenting, not the neat and clean two dimensional examples given on social media. You can learn more about my core membership program by heading to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core. It's a month-to-month membership. You can cancel it at any time, no strings attached, and it's meant to be on-demand parenting support. So you can access it when it's needed and when it's convenient for you. The link is in the show notes to learn more. And now back to this core conversation with Kaylee. Okay, so number two, the second thing for being a more patient parent, especially during transitions, is notice the should. Are you shoulding on yourself or your children? And the antidote to shoulding is to practice acceptance. All right. So now the explanation, because you might be like, huh? (laughs) Shoulding? (laughs) I don't get it. So when our child doesn't want to do what we say, they end up pushing limits or they seem to ignore us, or maybe they even, you know, now fight back a little bit. It's very easy to slip in the shoulds. And I do this, y'all. I'll catch myself doing it, which is why I say, you know, catch the shoulds. They should be able to do this by themselves. This shouldn't be such a struggle. It shouldn't be so hard. I shouldn't have to help them with this. 
I should just be able to walk out the door and not have to fight with everyone about it. Okay, so should is our first indicator that instead of accepting the moment, just being present, this is actually happening, he really doesn't want to go, or we can't find the shoes or whatever, we're fighting it. We're wasting energy by shoulding. Instead of just saying, okay, this is what's going on. What can I do to help? You know, what's my goal? And putting that energy into like moving towards the goal, we're putting all this energy into shooting, which just builds resentment and reactivity. To practice acceptance of the moment and lower our reactivity, we can make subtle shifts in our scripts, in our inner scripts. So instead of saying it shouldn't be this difficult, I shift it and say something like, I was hoping this wouldn't be so difficult today. I was really hoping it would be easier to get out the door. He really doesn't want this transition to happen. Then we can shift into the support mindset. So we're validating ourselves, right? We're acknowledging that like, hey, I was hoping this wouldn't be a struggle today. And we're also staying present in the moment by saying, this is really what's happening. Like he really doesn't want to do this right now. Okay. And then we can shift into the support mindset, which means how can I make this transition or transition easier for him and for me? So for example, if my kids fight in shoes, which, hey, my kid, like we live in Florida, he would go barefoot a hundred percent of the time. And you know what? As often as possible, I let him go barefoot. And you know what? I'm not going to fight him to put on his shoes 99% of the time because I can always throw his shoes in the car. The amount of times I've just thrown the shoes in the car and then we get to a place and I'm like, okay, time to put on your shoes. He willingly puts them on because once he's in that like public place or we're in the parking lot, he's like, oh yeah, I do need my shoes. As opposed to at home, he'll fight me on it. He doesn't want to put them on. So that's like one way I support the transition with that. Because when our children are pushed through transitions, when they're forced to do things, when they don't have that buy-in yet because they're incredibly concrete, for example, and my four-year-old may not understand why do I have to wear shoes to this place when we're still at home and he doesn't need shoes. But then as soon as we get there and we're in a big busy parking lot or we're walking inside somewhere, a restaurant or something, he goes, oh yeah, I need my shoes. It's very concrete. It makes sense. So to give our children some concrete or support, I guess it is concrete support systems that really brings us to number three, which is connect and scaffold. Remember in the very beginning when I mentioned it's our job to be the bridge between where our child is, you know, what's important to them, what they're doing, whether it be play or watching a show or playing a game or whatever it might be. It's our job to be that bridge of where they are and where we really need them to be. So we don't start by telling them what we need. Start by figuring out where they are. We got to figure out the starting point because the starting point is not where we think they should be. See how this is all coming together? Like, don't should. (laughs) We got to figure out where they are and then say, okay, this is our starting point. They're halfway through building, you know, a jet out of Legos where I need them to be as I need them to be in the car in 10 minutes. 
now we can start formulating like, what does that bridge look like? How do I join the two together? So for example, I'll go back to Legos because they've been like really big in our house lately. And I'm sure they're big in many people's houses, okay? But you can insert anything you want, like drawing, playing sports, playing pretends, whatever with the playing Legos because it's a creative process. Kids can get lost in their own little world, which is like this beautiful thing of childhood. That's amazing. And so we're going to start with they're playing with Legos. So we're going to sit with them. Remember, start where they are. And Dr. Tina Payne Bryson and Dr. Dan Siegel call this connect before redirect or connect before correct. And that's essentially what this is. So we're sitting with them and we're showing interest in what they're doing, their creation, their process. You know, and and the sitting and just watching, just observing. And what I tell parents is in this process, we're attuning to them. And the way I attune to children is I ask two questions. What are they paying attention to? Because what they're paying attention to is what's important to them. And what is their intention with that? So what are they trying to accomplish? And by figuring that out, I'm really valuing what's important to them. I'm valuing what they value. So once we sit down and we kind of watch their attention and figure out their intention with that, now, and I might comment on that like, oh, wow, you know, you're adding wings to that. Or man, you've spent a lot of time doing this. I'm acknowledging it. I'm connecting with them a little bit. Then I'm going to clearly, clearly and concisely tell them what the need is, what my need is in a confident statement. So this confident statement, conscious discipline also calls it an assertive command. Okay, so this assertive voice that we want to use, and I call it confident leadership. Okay, it does not sound like it's almost time to go, okay? Because you just ask them a question and no is a perfectly acceptable answer to that question. No, it's not. (laughs) No, I don't want to. Or another one, are you ready to leave in five minutes? No. (laughs) So we don't want to go in with that. We don't want to lead them with this passivity or lead the situation with this passivity or we're really defaulting to the child. And then that's inviting the power struggle because if they say no, well, now we've got to figure out a way to override that or backtrack or overpower that. None of which are, are what we're going for here. So a confident statement or assertive command sounds like this. It's time to start getting ready to load up the car soon. Or it's time to get dressed so that we can leave for soccer. Okay, so I'm very assertively. And remember, there's no urgency because I'm saying it's time to start getting ready. I've already given myself some buffer time. Remember that? So I'm expecting this transition to not happen in two minutes. I'm expecting this transition to take about 10 minutes for my child. And then the pause. Remember, number one was pause and slow down. So now I'm pausing and I'm giving my child time to process this. Whenever I come across with parents, I find Parents talk too much. We talk too much. We say too much. And our children are language learners. So they have a difficult time processing this at the same speed that most adults think children should be able to process. So if you need a reminder for how to talk to children, I always tell parents, pull up a YouTube video of Mr. Rogers. The man had so much dead air on his show and he spoke so slowly, so beautifully, so concisely. He was so articulate. 
it's such a good model for how to talk to children. So it sounds like it's time to start getting ready to load up the car for soccer. Long, awkward pause. Then we're going to tickle that prefrontal cortex. And we do this by inviting our children into such skills, such as those executive functions I mentioned at the very beginning, like planning ahead, prioritizing, task completion, all these things. And this can be done through the power of curiosity. For older children, like four, maybe four-ish, depends on the child, five, six, seven, okay, we can ask pretty open-ended questions. For younger children, we're going to ask some closed questions, and I'll, I'll share some examples. And also, it depends on how much experience a child has with this kind of conversation or collaboration. Okay, so if they're six or seven and they've never had any sort of conversation like this with you, we might need to back it down and make, you know, give them some options, make it more structured for them. So an open-ended question may sound like, what is a good stopping point or pause point for this project? So really tickling that prefrontal cortex and encouraging them to think about a pause point. Or what's your plan for finishing this and getting ready to go on time? If you need more structure, so if your child's younger, maybe they don't have as much experience, maybe they have some uh, language processing stuff on top of the typical developing language processing lagging skill, you may say something like, what pieces do you want to add before the pause point? So now we're getting really concrete. For example, like Lego building, what pieces do they want to add? Would you like to bring this in the car with you? So this was something I used all the time, all the time with my first son when he was, you know, toddler on through, even now, I used it on Saturday with him. My four-year-old will say, hey, mommy, can I pack a bag? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So that's something I I still use even with my, you know, four and almost eight-year-old, actually five. By the time you guys listen to this, he'll be five, my almost eight-year-old. So would you like to bring it in the car? Here's another one. It's time to start getting ready to leave. So there's that assertiveness. I'm going to start putting things in the car. Do you want to add something? Or what do you want to bring? So that's a combination of that assertive command and this voice of personal responsibility. I'm going to start putting things in the car. And by us starting that action, we're creating that confidence, that momentum towards the car. And we're inviting our children, what do you want to bring? We're inviting them into that process, into that momentum, that current towards the car. Here's another one. It's time to get dressed to leave soon. Would you like me to bring your clothes in here to get dressed or join me in your room to get dressed? So I mentioned this earlier. Sometimes I'll just bring the clothes into the playroom, which is separate from my kids' bedrooms to get them dressed in the morning before school. Because if, you know, during like morning time routine or evening routine that has lots of little transitions throughout of it that can be really overwhelming for children, if we can minimize the amount of transitions, like a classic example I shared on social the other day was brushing teeth in the tub, you know, brushing hair in the tub, getting dressed at the table, like putting shoes on in the car, like just taking out some of those little steps. If 
they end up being like constant power struggles with your kids. Another great approach to supporting children through transitions. So again, finding the bridge and supporting those lagging skills and tickling that prefrontal cortex and integrating all the different pieces of the brain all together is through play. Playful approaches to transitions make them more enjoyable for everyone. Play is also intrinsically motivating for children. They're wired for play. They're naturally attracted to it and motivated by it. It builds connection between you and your children. It strengthens the relationship and it decreases the likelihood of a power struggle. Play is magic, y'all. You can embed these play techniques into the interactions with things like silly voices, songs, being overdramatic. Oh my goodness, where are your shoes? I don't know where they are. Music, music's a classic one, especially in classrooms. The lineup song, the circle song, there's so many songs in preschool and that's why. So this brings me to what I'm super excited to announce. I'm bringing back my five-day Get Silly Challenge, which teaches parents how to embed play throughout their daily routines with children to increase connection and decrease power struggles. And here's the best part for me as like a mom who works and is the room mom and cooks and like does all the things, right? We're all so busy. These techniques don't add to your to-do list. They transform it because they transform how you approach the mundane everyday tasks such as getting dressed, bath time, transitions, mealtimes, etc. Here's a testimonial from a mom who participated in a previous Get Silly Challenge, and she's a teacher too. So that was really cool to hear her feedback. She said, I am loving the Get Silly Challenge. I used the silly freeze idea when it was time to turn off the TV and transition to bedtime. I was already hearing the whining brewing. Instead, though, my three-year-old lit up and turned to jelly and said, let's go brush my teeth, mama, as he melted into my arms. Whoa. And I just love that because how difficult, I got tons of messages from parents when I was talking about transitions on social media last week about how difficult the screen time transitions are. And this mom was able to use one for screen time, near bedtime, for teeth brushing. Amazing. That is the power of play. That's the power of connection. That's what we're going to harness for the Get Silly Challenge, which is coming Monday. It starts Monday, September 26th. 2022. You can join the challenge by joining the core community and score access to the challenge and all like all the things, the workshops, the weekly lives, the ebooks, on-demand support, and so much more. Or you can join by signing up via my website, which is linked in the show notes. So I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Hope you'll join us. It truly is transformational and it just makes parenting more fun and more enjoyable and takes away some of the... Um, you know, just getting stuck in the routine. So thanks so much for being here. If this episode was helpful for you, please let me know by sharing with friends or writing a review or leaving a rating. It's so appreciated and very encouraging. I really do. I read each and every one and they always make me smile. So thank you. 
I'm wishing you all a wonderful week and I will be back here next week. Have a good one.